This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. Subscribe, support our news co-op, and you'll get your own haiku written for you and read on the show. At the end of it, we'll be reading some poetry in just a little bit. All right. Uh, looks like there's... um. Looks like libs are uh, uh, celebrating today uh, over the Green Party getting basically left off the ballot in Wisconsin here. Um, we're already we're already starting here with uh, with Dems blaming Green Party for electoral failures, although they won't be able to blame them if they lose Wisconsin since there's no Green Party on the ballot this year. Wasn't it wasn't it last year that in Wisconsin, it might not have been Wisconsin. But in a number of these key states that Trump won, there were more people who left the presidential field blank than uh, Trump's margin of victory. And despite this, liberals, uh, they, just, they just love, uh, they love their perma meltdown about the Green Party. Um, it sort of dilutes their message a little bit because, and I know a shocker that there's no coherence here from them, but the same people who are basically shrieking themselves purple online right now saying we have like six weeks or whatever to save democracy are openly spiking the football over a party being fucking excluded from the ballot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, months after uh, forcing people to vote in pandemic primaries and then trying to cancel the New York yeah. primary uh, when it was Bernie Sanders and, and Joe Biden still in the race there. Uh, obviously, uh, libs don't give a shit about democracy, um, except when it's being applied to uh, resistance trademark against Trump. I, look, I, uh, I do not feel that fondly about the Green Party. I'm still weighing my options. Uh, PSL are now on the ballot in uh, D.C., so I might vote for Gloria Lariva. Uh, I like Howie Hawkins. I might vote for him, too. But, you know, the Green Party have not really uh, done a, a good job at all of trying to get into movement politics and no. uh, do anything outside of the electoral arena. Uh, but the fact is they deserve, they don't deserve, uh, they, they shouldn't have to fight for ballot access every four years. It, yeah. it, it is really appalling. And if this were happening in another country, we would add it to a list of reasons why if, if they were an official bad country, we would add it to the list of reasons why we need to bomb them. And so this is all just very disgusting and, uh, you know, it it helps sort of shed light on on reasons why many of us on the left uh, are not at all excited about this election and do not at all feel like uh, we are saving democracy, air quotes. Granted, I do think uh, a Biden victory would probably harm less people than a Trump victory, although who knows really in the long run. 
if a Biden victory maintains the illusion that this system is functional, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. This whole thing just, it sickens me. Yeah, I mean, we're not cheerleaders of the uh, Green Party or PSL's political project, really. And we've interviewed both uh, Gloria Lariva and Howie Hawkins on Means TV, on Means Morning News, and have challenged them on this issue that, hey, we just saw a very uh, expensive and resource-intensive campaign for the presidency with Bernie Sanders that ended in complete failure. Why should people invest more resources and time into other presidential political campaigns that uh, have uh, that don't even have a fraction of a chance that the Sanders campaign had uh, of winning? But, uh, you know, I'm not interested in punching left or doing the Democrats work to smear the, the Green Party here. And at the end of the day. Considering the Democratic Party is so focused on getting the Green Party kicked off ballots in various states and is not doing anything to roll out an effective Biden get out the vote campaign, uh, Susan Sarandon did a pretty awesome tweet thread last week uh, going through all the ways that the Biden campaign is completely backwards. Uh, Their links on their website to volunteers are old or don't work. They have the same sort of scripts from the primary. They haven't updated them for the general election for people to make phone calls and knock on doors and get involved with the campaign. It's just a total mess. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Susan Sarandon, I may... Okay, so I'm... Like I said, I'm probably going to vote for a third party for president. Uh, I wrote... Last time I wrote in someone, I wrote in Jeremy Corbyn uh, to to uh, troll the electoral system and the and the presidential uh, electoral system and the electoral college because my vote in D.C. is meaningless. This time around, I was thinking, you know what? I actually don't want to do a write-in again. I want to register my displeasure by uh, voting for one of the left third parties on the ballot. That way, it's actually counted as opposed to a write-in, which just goes into a black hole of nothingness. But I thought I could still have an impact if I wrote in Susan Sarandon and and tweeted a photo of my ballot (laughs) because I I think I think that would cause uh, some of the worst shit libs to have aneurysms. I think you should do it. I support that move. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's Tuesday, September 15th, 2020. Here's the news. The Trump administration and its allies are now openly speaking about the desire to bring a dirty war against the left in this country. Michael Caputo is the Assistant Secretary of Public Affairs at the Department of Health and Human Services. And over the weekend, Caputo took to Facebook to make all sorts of wild accusations and warn followers to begin arming themselves. Caputo claimed that the Patriot Prayer militia member who was shot dead in Portland after trying to attack someone was a, quote, drill, and that left-wing hit squads are preparing to go on the offensive around the country. Caputo then urged supporters to buy ammo because it will soon be hard to get. Caputo is a political appointee with no healthcare experience, and he's been accused of altering public health reports during the COVID-19 pandemic in ways to lessen the damage to the Trump administration. During the weekend, during his weekend Facebook rant, 
Caputo claimed that there was a shadowy cabal of health officials within CDC trying to take down the president. Caputo's comments echo those of the president himself. Over the weekend, Trump applauded the extrajudicial killing of Michael Reinhold, the man accused of killing the Patriot Prayer Militia member in Portland. Eyewitnesses claim federal agents rolled up on Reinhold and immediately began firing on him without warning while Reinhold was on his phone eating candy. Trump said of the murder, quote, This guy was a violent criminal and the U.S. Marshals killed him and I'll tell you something, that's the way it has to be. There has to be retribution. Daily Beast is reporting on another government official, Michael Schur, who previously headed up the hunt for Osama bin Laden within the CIA, but has since gone all in trying to incite a civil war here in the U.S. Last week, Schur wrote on his blog that 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse's murder of Black Lives Matter activists in Kenosha was, quote, necessary and patriotic, and that such, quote, constitutional actions will power the formation of militias across the United States, end quote. Shore previously wrote that loyal Americans know their domestic enemies as well as their locations in detail and will be able to act swiftly to eliminate them and the threat they pose, end quote. The good news about this, though, is that Shore uh, was head of the bin Laden unit between 1995 and 1999. Uh, so he's, he's used to taking some major losses. <laughs> that is true. Uh, although he, he did get out of there, I guess, for the big one in 2001. <laughs> then there's the Which uh, president's... wouldn't have happened if Shore, you know, was more on his game between the years of 95 and 99. Absolutely. Then there's the uh, assuming, uh, assuming, of course, Bin Laden did 9-11. <laughs> Moving on, we also have the president's buddy and campaign henchman Roger Stone, fresh off having his prison sentence commuted by Trump. Uh, he's calling on Trump to just seize ballots in Nevada ahead of the election, uh, also dispatch federal agents to polling places, declare martial law, and just have journalists arrested for sedition. This is all uh, extremely disturbing, obviously, and rapidly moving out of the realm of imagination and into reality. It already is a reality for those incarcerated during the Trump administration. Ethnic cleansing is underway. A nurse working at an ICE detention facility has blown the whistle on, quote, jarring medical neglect, alleging that individuals are not tested for COVID-19 at these detention facilities. and. This is really fucking disturbing. Immigrant women are being coerced into having hysterectomies. There's uh, reportedly mass hysterectomies going on uh, at these facilities. Plus, you have the Trump administration also trying to remove more than 300,000 immigrants who are legally in the United States under temporary protective status due to violence or hardships in their home country. They include individuals from Sudan, Nicaragua, Haiti, and El Salvador. The administration is citing the pandemic as justification to uproot people from their lives here in the U.S., and this unbelievably cruel decision was upheld by a federal appeals court on Monday. So don't expect the courts or any institutions really to save us from this descent into fascism. Uh, one more note, um, Shatter producer Matt has been keeping tabs on the Bureau of Prisons death notices 
Um, there haven't been any a while. Um, there was one here that uh, he said that for the first time doesn't include that the uh, individual who died had any pre-existing uh, medical conditions. Um, but there have been uh, well over 100 people in uh, federal prison custody who have died uh, from COVID-19 so far. President Trump is admitting that he wanted to assassinate Bashar al-Assad in 2017 after initially denying reports of his desire to kill Syria's leader. The revelations came two years ago in Bob Woodward's first book on the Trump White House, Fear. Per Woodward's account, Trump's push for assassination was thwarted by then-Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, who simply acknowledged Trump's request and then turned to a staffer and said he wouldn't do it. At the time, the president denied the reporting, calling it fiction, claiming an assassination attempt was never contemplated. But here's what the president had to say about it this morning on Fox and Friends. Uh, I would have uh, rather taken him out. I had him all set. Mattis didn't want to do it. Mattis was a highly overrated general, and I let him go. He worked for Obama. He got fired by Obama also. Trump then proceeds to rant about Mattis for another half minute uninterrupted. Not that it matters, really, because they're both terrible human beings. But Mattis wasn't actually fired by the president. He resigned. Fox dipshit Brian Kilmeade eventually pressed Trump on the Assad assassination claims. And here's how that went. And Soleimani, likewise. Soleimani was the biggest of them all. So do you regret not taking out Assad? And was it because of Russia being allied with him is why you didn't do it? And do you regret not doing it? No, I don't regret that. I could have lived either way with that. That you know. So there you have it. Trump could take it or leave it, so he left it. Unclear what this means for Joe Biden's chances this November vis-a-vis the curse of Assad. Only joking, of course. The curse of Assad is bullshit. Uh, if it were actually real, Netanyahu, Erdogan, and Mohammed bin Salman would probably not be in power. But they're doing just fine. The assassination would have taken place in April 2017 after the Syrian military allegedly used chemical weapons on civilians. The incident led to cruise missile strikes by the U.S. military on Syrian government targets, attacks that led to a bunch of bloodthirsty media dipshits fawning over Trump, saying it was the night he became presidential. You might even recall MSNBC's Brian Williams almost creaming his pants on camera. We see these beautiful pictures at night from the decks of these two U.S. Navy vessels in the eastern Mediterranean. I am tempted to quote the great Leonard Cohen. I'm guided by the beauty of our weapons. Uh Makeup to the set fast. Brian just hallelujahed himself on air. (laughs) Europe is moving ahead with protecting users' access to a free and open Internet while the U.S. is moving backward. Net neutrality regulations have been scrapped stateside, but they were just upheld by the highest court in Europe on Tuesday. The European Court of Justice ruled in favor of 2015 regulations preventing telecom companies from throttling down internet speeds to competitors' content or even just walling off that content entirely. It was a unanimous decision from a 15-judge panel. Reading from that decision, quote, The requirements to protect Internet users' rights and to treat traffic in a non-discriminatory manner preclude any Internet access provider from favoring certain applications and services, end quote. You might remember net neutrality rules were adopted in the U.S. back in 2015 as well. 
with the Federal Communication Commission's open internet rule. But in 2018, as the Trump administration changed the makeup of the commission, appointing industry lackey Ajit Pai as the chairman, those rules were promptly discarded. Finally, one of the biggest banks in the country is preparing to get a slap on the wrist over a colossal screw-up. Citigroup is prepared to settle the matter with federal regulators in the next few weeks, according to reports from today and yesterday in the financial press. The slip-up was first reported widely last month. Citigroup had been administering loan payments on behalf of Revlon, the cosmetics giant, when the bank accidentally paid Revlon's creditors 100 times what they were owed, $900 million out of the bank's own money. Don't you just hate it when that happens? <laughs> Citigroup is fighting in court to get the cash back. I mean, th this is a pretty big fuck up, okay? If I send someone like $15 on Venmo, I am checking it like 100 times to make sure I don't <laughs> accidentally slip in a zero there. Yeah. Isn't that right, Leica? Leica's <laughs> going nuts. Someone's knocking on Leica's the door. going nuts. Uh, should go I wait? Ahead. All right. Yeah, no, just go ahead. She'll stop. This isn't the first time this decade that Citigroup's internal controls, or lack thereof, have received regulatory scrutiny. The Wall Street Journal noted that the bank entered into consent orders for lax anti-money laundering controls in 2012 and 2013. Citigroup also failed an annual stress test from the Federal Reserve in 2014 for insufficient risk analysis. Once again, Citigroup is poised to enter into a consent agreement over poor management practices, this time with the Fed and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, according to the Financial Times. Another consent agreement, almost like they aren't actually designed to bring reckless bankers to heel. News of the agreement comes as Citigroup announced it, that it is bracing for more losses this quarter. Chief Financial Officer Mark Mason said yesterday that the bank is setting aside reserves to prepare for third quarter losses with recovery from the pandemic slowdown weaker than expected. Citigroup also announced yesterday that its pandemic layoff suspension would end. The move came the same day as fellow megabank Wells Fargo announced $10 billion in cuts to costs over the next four years mostly coming from layoffs. Wells Fargo and Citigroup are the third and fourth largest banks in the country, respectively, with $1.8 trillion and $1.6 trillion in assets under management. Both uh, combined are equivalent to about 16% of annual U.S. economic output. And that'll do it for the newscast today. That music I know some dipshit will be like, oh, well, wealth... Stocks and flows are different in terms of accounting and blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It's come to, to, come to Washington, D.C. and fight me. <laughs> All new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. Why don't you uh, get us started here, Sam? This is for Adam. Got chocolate syrup pouring it straight in my mouth. This is my destiny. Thank you, Adam. This one goes out to Chris. Whistleblowers good, except when they're wearing stripes, then they are sports cops. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. 
This is for Phil. No smoke with vaping, but you still can get thirsty. Stay hydrated, friend. Thank you, Phil. This is for Traveler's Depot. Welcome back, my friend, to the show that never ends, if internet works. Thank you, Traveler's Depot. Finally, this is for John. The militia guys are former U.S. soldiers and used to losing. That's right. Thank you, John, and thank you to all the new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel that's it for the show today tomorrow we've got a brand new chip chat coming out where we talk about the assange extradition hearing we've got means morning news coming out on thursday morning catch us there over at means tv remember all new subscribers to patreon get a free month subscription to means tv as well and then we'll be back friday with the uh, garbage can show for subscribers we're here in dc so you don't have to be.